Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Real Couple. Um, yeah, so uh, today we are actually doing, I believe this is a first for The Real Couple, we're actually talking about a TV show instead of a movie. Um, so yeah, Paige, want to tell them what we saw? We are going to talk about She-Hulk Attorney at Law today. Yeah, um, or depending on the episode, you've got uh, um, She-Hulk Attorney for Hire, um, She-Hulk was there like just jen yeah or um, something yeah which um based on the look on your face seems like you did not like the uh, <laughs> welcome to changes. the episode of the real couple where dallas and Paige disagree on everything yeah we we really do not see eye to eye on a lot of this um so yeah overall dallas um, is in the wrong camp where he likes this show and thinks it's good I am in the correct camp where I think it sucks. Hot damn. This isn't even like a agree to disagree. Here's no, you're wrong. Sense. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, are you sure you can defend your... Probably your not as well as you want me to, but I have feelings. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with your feelings. I'm totally fine with that. Um... Which, Dallas has a glint in his eye, and I feel like I'm about to regret my choices. I'm such an asshole. You are. Yeah. Um, so let's, before we get there, let's back up. Let's back up. Before this show started, what were you uh, expecting from this? That is a good question. Is it? I, um, well, we'd watched all the other Marvel shows. We'd seen wandavision and falcon and winter soldier and all of those that were just you know like a continuation of their characters and they fit fairly well into the marvel universe there was action there was character building there was intrigue and so i was excited to have a hulk version because we don't really get to see much hulk stuff in the mcu he's always with other people so I was excited about that. I was excited that it's like a strong, independent woman who is educated. And I just was so let down. Yeah. Um, so uh, you'd mentioned the previous shows um, and how those are continuations. But we do have things like uh, Miss Marvel who yes, introduced. which I adored Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, Moon Knight also introduced a new character through show. Um, so, which, uh, bit of a tangent, but of the, uh, Marvel Disney Plus shows, what would you say is your favorite so far? Uh, WandaVision yeah. or Loki. Okay. Yeah. For me, um, it's easily WandaVision. I adored WandaVision. I thought everything about that show was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I will say I don't hate She-Hulk as much as I hate What If. Wow. You still really, really hate I What If. I despise What If. Wow. Okay. Um, do you hate every episode of What If? Are there any episodes that you do enjoy? Because with What If, I feel like with the other shows, um, even if there's like a great episode here or there, it's still serving a greater story that if the greater story sucks one good episode here or there isn't going to save it whereas with what if each episode oftentimes kind of stands on its own i can stomach the peggy carter okay. as captain america captain carter episode yeah mm -hmm. 
Um, and I can also stomach the T'Challa as Star-Lord. Okay. But then it hits that fucking zombie episode. Okay. And everything unraveled and went so downhill. How'd and I feel... could not handle anything after zombies. How'd you feel about like uh, Doctor Strange trying to save? Um, no. No? Okay. So were you like really annoyed when um, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness referenced characters from... Yes, because I was hoping that they could just decanonize all of What If and just move on from that disaster. Wow, because What If, like the whole point of What If is that it's, I mean, up until uh, Multiverse of Madness, that's the point of it is the fact that it's pretty much all non-canon. Yeah, and it never should have been done. Wow, okay. Um, I have some spicy feelings about things today. You do, damn. So, um... Yeah, getting back into She-Hulk, you were expecting a show with a strong, independent woman who don't need no man and is highly educated. And, um, yeah, so how did you feel about, um, how did you feel about Tatiana Maslany's portrayal of Jennifer Walters? I don't like her. No? No. Wow. Like you never found her fun to watch or anything? No. Damn. Yeah. I... But I don't know that it was her fault. I think okay. she was handed a shitty script. Wow. Yeah. I I thought um, regardless of um, her, regardless of the quality of the script, I thought she did an outstanding job with portraying the character written for her um i thought the first episode showed promise okay and i was excited because i was like oh this is different this is a little quirky not like all the other marvel things and then it just went so fast downhill that like i cannot handle her breaking of the fourth wall in ever every episode it's so obnoxious wow and then in the final episode when she like breaks through the disney plus menu big spoilers yeah <laughs> if you haven't big seen spoilers it, yeah. um and then like goes and finds the robot and is like rewrite my ending and then they do and it's shit because wow. nothing happens this yeah. is supposed to be a superhero movie or show and there's no ending. Yeah. Like, she didn't even get to, like, live out the ending that she wrote. She just walks back into her story and everything's already done. Yeah. Which, um, that was something that the more I sat with it, the more I kind of dug it. Like, she spends the entire series um, with everyone around her saying, like, oh, you're a Hulk now. So you're going to fight crime like a Hulk. And every time something goes wrong, you're going to punch it because you're a Hulk. And that's what Hulks do. And you're going to make problems go away by beating them into submission. She's like, that's not ever what I've wanted out of life. That's not what I've wanted out of my career. That's not... Yeah, um, she she went into law because in order to solve problems, she wants to outthink it, not out-defeat it. And so... But that doesn't make for good TV. Not for you. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, I am an educated woman, and I think it's shit. Okay. Well, I am an uneducated man who um, 
has thought about this quite a bit extensively one might say um but yeah so she she doesn't want to be a hulk she doesn't want to be that character and so the fact that uh in the end she gets so fed up with the relentless expectation that she will be a hulk that she straight up breaks not just the fourth wall but the entire um continuity breaks out of it walks away and demands that they give her the ending that she would want to see happen and because she doesn't want action in her life she she straight up tells the creators take all the action out of the third act of this uh that guy it's ridiculous where we're taking his story just for a cheap fight scene so take the powers away from that guy and instead just arrest him no one's gonna fight him he's just gonna get arrested like that was so jennifer walters like the more i thought about it the more it was like that's exact if she had the ability to break out and go talk to the the disney higher-ups and stuff and and demand things that's exactly what she would have demanded um so i i loved that um and uh one thing that i i it was pointed out to me early on in the show but uh something that hasn't really been working for me with the marvel shows um outside of wandavision um they don't play like tv shows and so the putting taking these stories and assigning them to the medium of weekly tv episodes isn't working because they don't play out episodically they play out as one-sixth of an overall story and i really liked that with this um there was an overarching story that was uh being progressed each week but each week at the same time they mainly focused on uh usually one uh legal trial or if it wasn't one legal trial that was kind of another point of the episode is that she's not going to be um, in the courtroom this week instead she's going to a wedding or instead she's going to uh, abominations retreat or she's but nothing happens things happen like Plenty what is this happen. seinfeld like wow a tv show about nothing that's she hulk like, damn yeah it's I... so boring there's no like i don't give a shit about jennifer walters wow yeah i i loved jennifer walters i loved her her quirkiness, her attitude. Um, I'm almost rooting for Emil Blonsky because at least you get to see the abomination. Yeah, and and Emil Blonsky is is a great guy to root for because he's he's so good at heart now. Um, but uh, and I kind of like the concept that uh, they explain what happened in Shihol or in Shang Chi with Abomination. And they don't undo what happened in She-Hulk, but those two things were able to happen simultaneously, where Emil Blonsky is no longer um, a threat. He's no longer evil at heart. However, um, this guy Wong came out of nowhere and pretty much said, hey, I need a big favor. Um, in order to prove myself as Sorcerer Supreme, I need to fight a very powerful foe in a cage match and so emil blonsky because he's such a good person said oh 
you need to test yourself, well then, yeah, out of the kindness of my heart, I will fight you to the best of my abilities and hold nothing back. And if you win, you will prove to them that you're worthy. And so he fought really, really hard and we got a great fight scene because Emil Blonsky is a good person. And that is such an insane, like, uh, plot development. Um, I, I loved that. And so because of that, I feel like if they wanted to, there could be a future project where Hulk is just like, you know what? I, every time I fight, I'm just fighting like, you know, billions and billions of extras. You know, I'm fighting thousands of Chitari or Ultron clones or whatever. But like, none of those guys are challenging. It's just there's a lot of them. But I, I would really like to, you know, test my abilities in a fight. Emil, would you mind um, just kind of sparring with me? And so maybe we could see a Hulk versus Abomination rematch, but in a much more, I'm just wanting to spar with someone type of a framework. I think that could be great. Um, I think It's not going to happen in She-Hulk, though, because nothing happens in She-Hulk. I could see it happening in season two. I'm so sorry. Um, also, I will say, mm-hmm. I haven't read the comics, so that's a blind spot of mm-hmm. mine that I acknowledge. And apparently, she's kind of a hoe in the comics. Um, and they put that in the show, and it pisses me off. Uh, I I feel like... Um, like, ho why is, does is... she have to twerk with Megan the Stallion and sleep with everything that breathes? Like... Um... So I, I feel like uh, this kind of touches on um, something that I really disagreed with with um, Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I hate that movie so much. Um, but a lot of people defended it because Harley Quinn was very sexualized in The Suicide Squad, the original movie. Um, and then she's... Um, sexual in uh, Birds of Prey. However, you can tell every time she's sexual, she's doing it on her terms. And she's like, you know, able to sort of um, be herself without ever feeling like she's doing it in order to impress a man. And I was like, okay, I can see that. At the end of the day, though, you're still making a garbage quality movie. With this, um, the twerking with Megan Thee Stallion, um, the hooking up with people on dating apps and stuff like that, that all seemed very much like Jennifer Walters was, um, or, you know, She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, whoever is kind of at the helm. um, Where I feel like with this, um, Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk are much more the same character than Bruce Banner and the Hulk ever were. Um, But... I feel like, yeah, whenever she is able to sort of show off her own sexuality, she's doing it on her own terms. And so it is much more um, respectable or, um, for me, easy to digest, uh, much more palatable. um, Because, yeah, it it never felt like they were making her, uh, you know, quote-unquote slutty or um, any of that just to write a sexy character it was like no sometimes you know 
there are women out there who just like this this lifestyle and that's fine and there's nothing wrong with that so yeah um i i really enjoyed those sort of things uh sorry let me rephrase the more i learned about the character the more i grew to enjoy when that happened in the show because it didn't suddenly it felt not like uh, Marvel's taking a wildly different approach to this new character, but instead, that's how she was in the comics. So why would they write her differently in the show if they're writing a show of that character? I just don't agree. Like with what the part? episode with, when with she the gets she... ghosted after she sleeps mm-hmm. with that guy, and then spends the whole episode just like checking her phone and freaking out when she has to go help a client and she can't get a text message from a guy and like it's just so annoying like you don't have to be like that like you can show dating and enjoying dating without making her look ridiculous interesting um i just feel like she would not be this lost puppy okay like, if she's put all of this work in to becoming a successful lawyer and to setting her life up for success, she would not focus so much on, like, the dating aspect and finding validation from men, whether in Jennifer or She-Hulk form. And that seems to be what the entire show is centered around. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And... and uh... So, like you mentioned where you haven't read the comics, um, I haven't read almost any She-Hulk comics, but about halfway through this show or something like that, um, I did take the time to read um, probably three, four, maybe five issues of uh, just a a She-Hulk series that I believe started back in like 2016, something like that. So, fairly recent, um, fairly uh, current um, on this character's story. But, uh, yeah, similar to what you were saying, um, she she dates, like, a lot in just those few issues that I read. But, um, yeah, more in line with what you were saying, there's not a lot of um, effort that goes in on her part. She's just like, I want to hook up with someone tonight. And she gets it. Like there is, um, there's not a lot of trial and error. It's just trial and success for She-Hulk. Like people. That's not how the show is though. Yeah. And, and I would be interested, um, because yeah, she does hook up with Matt Murdock. And so. Don't even get me started on that. Why wouldn't I get you started? This is, this is a podcast where we're discussing this. Obviously I'm going to get you started on that. I have so many feelings. Yeah. Um, which. That's another thing. Like, I I haven't read nearly enough Daredevil stories, considering how much I love that character. Um, When I was a a young kid, like, first getting into comics, one of the first characters I started reading was uh, Daredevil. Um, But in my adult life, I really haven't um, revisited Daredevil comics that much. But from what I've been hearing from a lot of people... Apparently, uh, in the comics, Matt Murdock sleeps around. Like, he makes the rounds in the Marvel Universe. 
And so, um, yeah, the fact that, you know, two consenting adults were able to just, you know, have have fun together one night. Um, I was... That's not the part that I'm pissed about. What are you pissed about? Okay, so. Oh, she started with an okay, so. This, clear your schedule. We have watched a chunk of the Daredevil Netflix TV show. Two out of three chunks. Yes. Love Daredevil. It's dark. It's gritty. So damn good. You, those writers make you love all of the characters. You adore Matt Murdock and you adore Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock. Mm -hmm. And he's just so like stoic and just amazing, right? And then you bring him into She-Hulk that's not dark and gritty and you see Daredevil in the daylight? What the fuck? No. And making him do the walk of shame? Hell no. I saw one. Hell no. He would not do that. He would never be seen in the daylight in his Daredevil costume. No. I, I, I wouldn't he be surprised He would happened. slip out in the middle of the night and he would slink away like okay. the sly little fox that he is. Sly little devil. Yeah. <laughs> it was too lighthearted. Okay. Matt Murdock, that's not the daredevil that we know and love. I'm and to they think... destroyed what they could have built by bringing Matt Murdock into the MCU. I'm starting to worry that I'm going to have to watch Daredevil Born Again alone. No. No? You're going to watch Daredevil Born Again? Yeah. I think Daredevil Born Again is going to be much more in line with the Matt Murdock we're seeing in She-Hulk. Just saying. I hope you're wrong. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. But anyways, um, so yeah, uh, I, I liked the fact that, um, especially because it was Charlie Cox coming back, it felt like a very different uh, vibe for Daredevil. But at the same time, it definitely felt like it was still the same character. Similar to how... Um, also, I did not like his suit in this. Really? You didn't like the yellow and red? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, in the in the old comics, I never really read to any of the yellow and red suit stories. But I do remember as soon as I saw that uh, moment in the um, She-Hulk trailer where he lands and he's, he's wearing that outfit, I was hyped to, to get to see the yellow and red. I think it's insane how many characters have gotten so many different suits and um outfits from their different comics over the years um and tragically to date we still have not gotten to see wolverine properly suit up like you want him in the yellow I, i i would want him definitely in the yellow if i could choose anything but even if he were in the the uh, like brown, that'd be fine. But uh, honestly, from the comics, the cl- the only real like, yeah, that's an outfit he wore. Is he was in the Weapon X Weapon X escape outfit, like with the weird like helmet over his eyes and stuff. In uh, I want to say that was X Men Apocalypse. Which um, yeah, the fact that I have to watch X Men Apocalypse in order to see that scene sucks. Um, but uh, it is criminal that 
Hugh Jackman has still not gotten to properly suit up as Wolverine. Um, and at the same time, uh, at the again, at the end of X-Men Apocalypse, we got a quick glimpse of a good-looking uh, Cyclops outfit, a good-looking Nightcrawler outfit. Yeah, there were so many characters in that scene that got uh, finally got a really good comic accurate outfit but then we just never saw it again in dark phoenix and which there's plenty of problems with dark phoenix costumes are the least of your issues um but uh yeah so charlie cox has played daredevil in three seasons and now two episodes of uh this oh and um uh the one season of defenders um and, and so, then an end credits scene or not end credits scene um in an opening scene almost of Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, he made that that brief appearance in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, never suits up, though. Um, so, yeah, in those, um, you know, uh, three seasons plus one. So four seasons, two episodes, and one scene. We've already gotten to see three of his iconic outfits, all of which pretty damn comic accurate um because the uh there's the frank miller like the black bandana over the eyes look from daredevil season one Mm -hmm. there's the entirely red suit which is you know kind of his most iconic look and then yeah we've already gotten the the yellow and red i think that's so so cool for him um but uh yeah i i really liked um even though he's only in those two episodes he's an important part of both and I was very happy to see him. Oh, uh, the point I was trying to make earlier, I feel like even though this is a very, very different tone for Charlie Cox's Daredevil, it still felt like they were still writing Daredevil, where, um, like, even though I know that canonically this is true, Edward Norton's Bruce Banner and Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner feel like two completely different characters they're being written in two very different stories but also the fact that it's two different actors playing them makes it even more difficult for my brain to accept that that's supposed to be the same person does that make sense and i think that's why i'm having such an issue with it because it's the same person but completely different okay and there's a huge disconnect there and I'm pissed because I love Daredevil so much and they wasted it. Would you have preferred that because they were doing Daredevil with such a different vibe, would you have preferred that they recast him? No, don't do him in that vibe. No. So I, I, and I, I do see what you're saying, but if the Marvel Cinematic Universe overall is a much more comedic place a much more lighthearted place. don't bring Daredevil in. You don't want to see Daredevil incorporated into the MCU. If you can't do it right, don't do it. Leave it alone. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm very much in the uh, in the opposite where uh, if you can write the character pretty well um, and have it more lighthearted, if that's what it takes to get him interacting with other characters that I know and love, I want to see him in the ensemble. Um he, he doesn't have to be a lone wolf. Um, and uh, and I'd, I'd really like to see if you can do that same type of thing with Jessica Jones. 
I think uh, there's a lot of great humor between Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock, um, especially in Defender. Well, um, as of now, all that I've seen of the Netflix series is uh, Matt Murdock and Jessica Jones have only ever um, interacted in Defenders. But uh, yeah, I, I think their chemistry is really great. It's very fun. Um, but it is always in a very dark and gritty setting. And I would be interested to see uh, Jessica Jones brought into the MCU where people are, are you know worrying about these, these big... Uh, colorful characters and, and threats and things like that. And Jessica Jones just kind of gets to roll her eyes. And even if you write her as sort of like the, um, almost like the, the to say emo character makes it sound not quite what I want, but uh, almost like uh, writing Raven in the original Teen Titans series where people will be like, oh, let's go get pizza and stuff like that. And Raven is just like, you people are all so immature. Um, I would love to see Jessica Jones uh, receive kind of the same treatment as as Matt Murdock, um, where you get the the same actress back. You're uh, getting um, good writing, but just very different writing than than we've seen that character um, with up until now. Um, I and then on the flip side, once you incorporate Danny Rand, write him differently. <laughs> That one him, I can agree write on. Write him so differently. Because uh, what was happening in, um, again, we've only seen season one, but I haven't heard that Iron Fist season two is that much better. Um, I I will say that I think Danny Rand is a lot better in Defenders than he is in yes. Iron Fist season one. But again, uh well, I, I, I would consider Danny Rand to be watchable in Defenders, which is more than I can say for him in Iron I agree. Fist. I agree. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really do look forward to the day when they incorporate Danny Rand into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think he's a character more suited for the Marvel Universe than for the Netflix Universe. Um, I feel like him and Shang-Chi could be friends. I think him and Shang-Chi would get along really well. Um, there have been several TV shows um, that I've been meaning to watch for a long time where uh, he constantly teams up with Spider-Man. I think Danny Rand and Peter Parker could really be an interesting duo. Um, I think once they finally kick off, which I know we still have years to wait, but uh, in Fantastic Four... Uh, Spider-Man and Human Torch are really good friends, and they they have this um, uh, uh, comedic buddy chemistry. And I think if you wanted to write uh, Johnny Storm, Peter Parker, and Danny Rand as like a trio of humor, that could be great. That could be really, really a fun dynamic. But you need to keep writing Peter Parker well, you need to start writing Johnny Stormwell, and you need to start writing Danny Rand well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I do like that we're getting a very different Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock and Daredevil. And I like the fact that if 
I ever feel like I need to uh, scratch the darker Daredevil itch, I can just go back and rewatch the um, Netflix Daredevil series, which now even more conveniently is on the stream same streaming service as She-Hulk. Um, which uh, that's another thing. If we have any listeners who are unfamiliar with the Daredevil, Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, Punisher, those Netflix shows, uh, if you're unfamiliar with those and you have children, uh, just as a little PSA, you need to be aware. Do not let your children watch those. None of those are family-friendly, very uh, inappropriate for children. So if... Uh, and, and that's a big reason why uh, Disney Plus made a big, big deal of uh, incorporating um, like parental locks mm-hmm. and uh, child censoring filters on Disney Plus. If you're one of those people that were like, I don't need to turn those on. This is Disney Plus. Everything's Disney on here. Why, why would I ever? Um, there are it's some things, because of Daredevil. It's specifically because of those five or six shows. The the things that started on Netflix, Netflix lost the rights to them, and so they were moved over to Disney Plus. But they originally aired on Netflix. If you're unaware of those, if there's any chance that your children could stumble upon those, uh, yeah, be aware. Um, but if you're an adult, you should yeah. definitely stumble upon those. If you're because an adult, they're and if you have so a strong good. stomach. Because um, even even I was surprised by how far Netflix pushed it with oh, some yeah. of the gore. Oh, yeah. Um, those were very, very intense and, and so relentlessly good. Um, and I'm not saying they weren't good. I'm not saying that I prefer this new Daredevil to the old one. I do think that the old one is better. Um, however, if uh, writing Matt Murdock in a new and different way is what is necessary in order to have him uh, play with the rest of the group, I really want to see him play with the rest of the group. Um, I want to see him stand shoulder to shoulder with the rest of the Avengers. Um, but not doing a walk of shame. I saw a meme a couple days ago that uh, just said, that ain't no walk of shame, that's a stride of pride. Which, yeah, the um, the way he's walking, there's no shame in his step. He's like, that was a fun night. I have no regrets. Neither does she. Yeah, boy. Um, and I dug that. Um, I, I dug that they were able to write a story where two characters hook up, but then they didn't take the easy way out of, of like, oh, what should we write in the next episode? Oh, let's have both of the characters be like, oh, I shouldn't have. Oh, that was wrong. Uh. No, they um, they woke up and they were like, that was dope. Um, so yeah, uh, one thing that did kind of worry me was at the very end, they seemed to be trying to write like a long-term relationship for Daredevil and Jessica Walters, um, which uh, I guess could be interesting. I just really, it, it did take me by surprise. I did not I expect... I don't know how it's going to work geographically. Yeah. Are, are we no longer going to have Daredevil be a New York hero? Because everything I've been hearing is that uh, Spider-Man and Daredevil going forward are going to be our two primary street-level superheroes, which I think... In New York, right? Yeah, Um, which I think could be so cool. We've already established that Matt Murdock and Peter Parker have met each other. 
Um, they protect the same city. We really don't have any street level heroes anymore. After Endgame and stuff, everyone who has worked um, cosmically is a pretty cosmic uh, character. Maybe Jennifer Walters will go to New York and find a personality. Yeah, that could, which, um, yeah, in the uh, comic that I mentioned earlier that I started reading, she was living in Avengers Tower. So um, that could be really cool. I know there are a lot of people with She-Hulk that are not loving the CG. That was another thing I wanted to bring up. How are you feeling about the CG? I'm not bothered by it, honestly. I know she doesn't look as... Grainy's not really the right word, but as, like, textured as... As maybe... Mark Ruffalo. Tactile? Yeah, like... Yeah. Which we watched a YouTube video about how it's easier to CG animate a male's face because you can add some stubble to give you some texture and you can't you can put in do deeper that. pores yeah. and stuff and with and like a woman bigger if, wrinkles yeah if she like, has deeper pores if she has too many wrinkles you're then she's not just, pretty yeah you're you're um, intentionally making this woman kind of an uglier character or someone who doesn't care about skincare or something um and i as uh annoying as that as that is to say and to hear and stuff like that i get it you know, and and this isn't the first time uh, Marvel has run into that issue. If you mm-hmm. look at the um, Avenge the Fallen posters for Endgame, every male character there's so much detail on your on their face, and then you look at Black Widow and Gamora and um, uh, um, Nebula, Hope, Hope Van Dyne, Nebula, every female character, and um, oh, obviously Captain Marvel. Um, all of their cheeks and forehead and stuff, um, they don't even look like they're frowning. Like, there's not enough frown creases on their forehead mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, they're so airbrushed to be so smooth. Because these are leading Hollywood ladies who are... There's no room for imperfection there. Yeah, like, they are very, very beautiful women. Um, but to show that on a poster... I feel, I feel like movie studios almost consider that to be disrespectful to the actress. Whereas with an actor, with a guy, they're like, that's how your face looks. Mm-hmm. And the guys are like, this is true. Like, and I feel like a lot of the issue with She-Hulk and the CG is that uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. Where your brain just catches onto something and it's like a little off. I was able to suspend my disbelief. At least a little bit enough that it didn't take me out of the experience. Um, But definitely she doesn't really look like she fits. Just real quick. um, Earlier you mentioned that uh, we watched a a video about the difference in Hulk's face and She-Hulk's face. Just as a proper plug, that was a um, Corridor Crew video um, a couple months ago. But they they talked about the new She-Hulk trailer and stuff. So if you guys aren't familiar with Corridor Crew... Do yourselves a favor and start watching their videos. They're great. They do a phenomenal job of breaking down special effects and also explaining to you why your subconscious considers certain special effects great and other ones flawed. They do such a good job 
uh, go watch that video. It's, it's a really, really fun watch. Um, so yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, much appreciation for the corridor crew. Oh, they're awesome. But yeah, I was able to suspend my disbelief enough to still be able to watch it while still acknowledging that she does look very out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even the way they animate her clothing still isn't textured enough, I don't feel like. Which one... Especially in that last episode when she's in that like purple really skirt suit thing. It looked very out of place to me. Wow. And I was going to say the opposite. Where um, at the beginning when she's just wearing like a very, very large suit and like all of the fabric is very loose... That kind of got a bit rough at certain moments. But then once she gets, she meets that uh, like superhero tailor guy Mm -hmm. and he starts making her like much more form fitted, um, like a pencil skirt and stuff. But then also her crime fighting, like the white and purple Mm -hmm. um, skin tight suit. Once the fabric was uh, more often than not taut or tight, in some way, um, I thought that's when the fabric looked a lot better when it didn't just need to loosely hang, hmm. if that makes sense. Um, but also, yeah, uh, I suspend my disbelief. I'm not usually searching for the abnormalities. Um, and when when I do find them in something like this, they don't bother me too much. Um, there are times when I'll be watching a movie and I'm like, you guys could have done better than this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was very okay with the CGI, especially with, um, the recent news that, um, CGI and special effects artists, specifically those working on Marvel projects are really underpaid, overworked. Um, they aren't being given enough time to properly do the the projects sent to them by marvel and which i think shows so heavily in she hulk yeah and so because of that if i did ever see any um imperfections in the the special effects i feel like my brain kind of filtered it out with a um this the artists did their best oh absolutely and so none of that really bothered me too much um, I think it just shows that Marvel is starting to move too fast mm-hmm. for what is wise. Yeah. And it makes me a little bit worried for what's coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Because if they're going to keep rushing these things and the quality of their CG is going to dip like it did in She-Hulk, fans are not going to be okay with that. Yeah. I don't know It's that they're going to be bullied as bad as like the Sonic the Hedgehog makers, but She-Hulk, I mean, they took a hit on it for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a very, very good point. Um, but I also think that in this day and age, it would it would suck. But this is the time. If you need to take more time per project, you can because but they're not going to yeah i i doubt they will because yeah there is so much money to be made but if um you postpone movies or something 
we've still got weekly TV shows. So if there's like, oh my gosh, there's such a dry spell, there really isn't because you're getting six weeks worth of material from from each TV show, uh, which asterisk on that. Um, I'll get back to that later. But um, also, we just survived 2020. Like, if if you say, hey, sorry, we need to postpone this movie by a month or two to really make the CGI shine, it's going to be better than when you had to postpone Black Widow by a year and a, a half. A year and a half. We've lived through far worse. Um, you're You're not going to be postponing movies by a year and a half just for cgi Mm -hmm. you know and so my worry is that this is going to be the decline in marvel fandom yeah i think a lot of people with she hulk specifically jumped off that bandwagon yeah which i i really it's so funny to me how long there were people who complained that each new thing coming out of Marvel was so cookie cutter and similar. And now that there are things coming out that are very different, people are also complaining because it doesn't feel like Marvel. And I get the fact that there is a happy medium. There's a good middle ground and maybe they're not hitting it right now, but um, uh, we honestly probably should give this its own episode, but then you have things like Werewolf by Night, which is very different from Marvel. Both of us loved that. Oh, yeah. And it really, really hits that horror, that classic horror vibe. Um, but I it's was... also not MCU. Is it? I believe so. Um, like, are they going to pull those characters in I to think so. other things? Uh, from what I understand, um, they. I think I heard somewhere that... Um, werewolf by night was going to like open a door to a very important part of the marvel world going forward or something like that i can't remember exactly what the quote was um but uh yeah and i after they nailed uh werewolf by night and big spoilers if you haven't watched that yet but they also really nailed um man thing yeah, they did. Um, and uh, I'm not at all familiar with this character. Like, I did, I'm not familiar with Werewolf by Night or Man Thing, in all honesty, but I wasn't even aware of the Elsa Bloodstone character. Me but they did a great job with her as well. Um, so, three brand new characters, all of which did a great job. If you never touch those characters again, what the hell? Especially with uh, projects coming down the line like Blade. Yeah. We're about to be dealing with vampires. You're not going to touch your new werewolf character? Like, come on. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope that they continue on with the Werewolf by Night story. But that uh, little asterisk that I put earlier, um, from, from what I'm hearing, uh, because of how well Werewolf by Night did with the special presentation format where they just released it at once it was just a 50 minute um kind of a almost like a short movie they liked that and they're going to start uh taking projects that were originally planned to be a series on disney plus so like six or nine or however many 
episodes and they are instead going to rework them into a special presentation are they so, gonna backdate that at all uh like take some of the shows they've already released yeah and, like i could i feel like mood night could really yeah. benefit from uh, that it's it's a complaint i've had for a long time is that a lot of their shows seem too short to be a show and so but too I, long to be a movie yeah i would really or like not a big enough thing yeah. to be a movie um and i mentioned this with moon knight i mentioned this with miss marvel i loved miss marvel but we got to like episode three or four and i was like where is this going it, it doesn't feel like you have an end goal in mind and then uh episode five out of six in her fifth episode she time travels back in time and they do a whole prequel episode to give you backstory on these like background side characters and i was like guys the clock's ticking you only have one half hour episode left what are you doing um and then with with moon knight i i was like okay i'm loving this but where's it going and right as i thought we really needed to figure out where the climax was headed then a hippo comes in that's when he dies and wakes up in in this fictitious metaphorical hospital and a hippo goddess shows up and that's the end of the episode. And I was like, I'm I'm now actively worried about this show. And they wrapped it up really, really nicely. But I kept having that like, um, I, I, I almost treated episodes like currency. Where if you only have two episodes left, you cannot afford this side story. Mm-hmm. And with a special presentation, I... Um, and with this goes for everything on Disney Plus, I'm very confused. What's uh, I, I'm very confused as to why they're deciding on the runtimes that they're getting, because so many of their shows are twenty minute episodes at most, oftentimes, and it's like if if it's just streaming, you don't have to worry about bumping up against you know whatever time slot comes after like in in old tv shows like yeah um this episode of yeah you have a 30 minute slot yeah you have a 30 minute slot so your episode of spongebob better not be too long or uh fairly odd parents is going to get pissed or your episode of sweet life of zach and cody can't be too long or kim possible is going to be pissed with a streaming service why are we limiting ourselves to such short time slots when there's literally no repercussions to making it longer and I don't know if it's just budget, but... I wonder if that's why they're doing the special presentation from now on, because they realize that they don't have to fit within those parameters. Yeah. I, like, I would... they don't have to have six episodes that are all 42 minutes long. Exactly, yeah. And so, if we were to get special presentations where that's just such, like, a vague term, if they have an idea for a special presentation that's shorter than 50 minutes, but it's good... Okay, and if they have an idea for a special presentation that's an hour and twenty, but it's good, yeah. cool. Like, and I, I would really, really love to see the uh, flexibility that mm -hmm. the uh, term special presentation is able to. I'm definitely them. intrigued by it. Yeah, I don't think that I am a Marvel fan that jumped off the bandwagon with She-Hulk. I know that there are a lot of more like passive Marvel fans. I think if I wasn't married to you. Maybe I would have been one of those. Um, but I think you're keeping me very solidly on that bandwagon. Oh, so yeah. we're going to ride this train to the end. I'm never leaving. 
Like, honestly, I grew up through the Star Wars prequels. I've now lived through the Marvel sequels, or the, the Star Wars sequels. Um, I endured the Hobbit prequel trilogy, or the, the Lord of the Rings prequel trilogy called the Hobbit trilogy. Um, I've endured all of the X-Men films in stride. If the next Marvel movie was a two-hour-long shot of an ass, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, that one was bad. What comes next? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm never getting off this bandwagon. Um, but yeah, th there are times when I, I see more and more things come out of Marvel that I'm like, I didn't care for that nearly as much as other things or nearly as much as I'd hoped. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do really like watching Marvel try out different flavors of story when, and I, I recognize that at this point it is getting closer to where I feel like too many of their projects aim for comedy mm -hmm. as their, like, how should this feel? It should feel comedic. I feel like too many of them do that. Some of my favorite Marvel movies, and I've said this so many times before, but uh, the I think the Russo brothers have done a phenomenal job with all four projects they've handled. Um, I think that um, Endgame and Infinity War did a great job of making the stakes so dire and dark that the uh, Marvel humor being introduced to those kind of just um, gave it a, a breath of fresh air type of a thing. Um, kind of the same with uh, Captain America Civil War, but my possibly my favorite of all four of their films is Captain America Winter Soldier. There is some humor, but overall, hardly any. Um, it is a very seriously toned film. Um, Which baffles my mind that you like She-Hulk. Yeah. If you like um, the serious. But I, I just like You're like that... never on the comedy bandwagon, and now you're on it with She-Hulk. Well, okay. So it's... Um, I love Captain America Winter Soldier because it goes for a serious tone in a universe that had really started to just default in the comedic tone. Um, and I think they did it very, very well. Um, even if the whole universe was very serious, I still would love Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, but it's such a spy espionage type thing in the middle of a very comic booky superhero world. And I do like that, uh, yeah, Werewolf by Night is now a very classic horror vibe in the middle of a very comic booky world. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people hate this. I really, really like Eternals. It's such an existential... Um, the, what are the thoughts of gods type of a story in the middle of a very comic booky world. And then there are certain things where... Um, certain projects that they'll come out with where it's like, is that good? Yeah, sure. It's fine. But it feels so similar to everything else that it kind of fails to stand out from the crowd. Um, although 
Ant-Man, the first movie, is very comedic and things like that. The fact that they so um, intentionally went for a heist vibe from that story, mm-hmm. I really like how it's able to be sort of its its own unique thing. When we first got the first Guardians of the Galaxy, it's so cosmic in an up until that point, so um, Earth-based mm-hmm. story. And I, I loved that, and a lot of people loved that. Um, so yeah, with, with She-Hulk, this um, sort of a rom-com kind of uh lawyer and um legal system comedy show that doesn't take the legal system too seriously and therefore can then uh sort of um be a mirror to the rest of the universe where um things like Emil Blonsky what legal uh ramifications and repercussions does Emil Blonsky experience after the events of Incredible Hulk. Things like that are really funny and fun. And uh, then there's the episode with um, uh, the Invincible Man guy who can't Mm -hmm. die. Um, In a world where there are superpowers, is everyone using their superpowers in a clean way? No. Some people are being assholes with it. Do those guys see... uh, you know, legal ramifications. Yeah, every once in a while, and this is the show to tell you about it. Um, so yeah, She-Hulk I, is just not my flavor. Yeah, it really, really isn't. Um, were there any episodes? So you mentioned that you liked the first episode. Yeah. Were there any other episodes, plot lines, things like that, that you were like, okay, that was fun? I did like the Invincible Man one. Okay. Where he like faked his death 37 times and... I liked the assistant girl who just basically took over and decided what everyone was going to be compensated for. I liked that. Was that Nikki or Mallory? I feel like those were the two working together. I can't remember the character names as well. Uh, but yeah, that, that whole scene where she was trying to figure out different things and... I did like her character. Yeah. Um, and... In all honesty, because I recognized him immediately, the Invincible Man guy played that Twi'lek assistant guy from Book of Boba Fett that I hated. Both of us hated that character. Do you remember that guy? Mm-hmm. I was so bad. I was so happy to see him in a very different thing where I actually think he did a really good job. He's not a major character. It's just that one episode. But I thought he was um, very enjoyable to watch. Um so yeah, I, I dug that. Um, I liked uh, watching her interact with her family. I thought that was that was fun. I thought uh, you know it, it's nice to see a Marvel family where there's um, no abuse or neglect or anything like that, and also where um, the family's alive. <laughs> um, there's uh, it's very similar to the family from Miss Marvel. I love watching her interact with her family as well. Um, at the beginning of the show, I was I was worried that they were going to write her family to just, you know, oh, my, my parents don't understand me. But by the end of the show, Miss um, Marvel's interactions with her family was one of my favorite aspects of the whole series. Um, so, yeah. Um, outside of that, okay, one 
complaint I did have for She-Hulk. What? You have a complaint? I know, right? Um, Dennis Bukowski, the like ex-boyfriend guy who started thinking he was dating Megan Thee Stallion. Oh, yeah. I thought he was written um, relentlessly misogynistically so as to remind the audience that this show is being written um, as, like on the side of the female. It's like, okay, I get that. And I get that guys are shitty oftentimes. But writing him, he it, it was he was very much a one-dimensional villain, um, similar to when people complain that you know a villain in that movie, his only intention is to be evil for the sake of being evil, but it's not. He has no desires outside of just being bad. Uh, and Dennis Bukowski in this show was misogynistic just for the sake of being the misogynist. And that got very annoying very quickly. Mm-hmm. But then, with the Megan Thee Stallion episode, he gets his comeuppance, so it helps. Um, um, another thing that a lot of people are, are really losing their shit about. You, however, uh, are not familiar with the um, source material. I'm curious how you're feeling about it. Uh, Hulk's son at the end, Scar. How how are you feeling about that? I don't really have feelings about it yet. Yeah, I that's like, kind of what I thought. I don't know the source material. I don't know if he's cool or where this... It kind of fell out of the blue to me. Mm-hmm. Like, he was... Bruce was in the first episode, obviously, mm-hmm. and then just was gone and then all of a sudden he's back with a teenager like what yeah and and i would be very interested to hear if there's anyone of our listeners that are very familiar with the comics when he was told he needs to go back to sakar to deal with some issues was there anyone that was like oh he's probably going to get his son um because for me i uh i thought i was aware of that character Turns out, I'm not. Uh, I am aware of a character named... Uh, I've, I've heard it pronounced Hulkling and also Huckling. Um, and I thought that was Hulk's son. Turns out, that's just a an alien creature that is large and green and humanoid and strong. And so because of, I guess, um, he bears a resemblance to Hulk, they kind of gave him a similar name but he has no relation to bruce banner or hulk or anything so when scar uh showed up in she hulk i figured that was that character and it was not um but uh yeah right as he shows up at the barbecue and he's like hey yeah i was on i had to go back to space i'll get to that but first i need to tell you guys something my brain was like oh his son He's bringing in Hulkling, and I was half right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, now I'm I'm seeing all these pictures of what he looks like in the comics, and he looks very like much softer in the show, and I get why people would be annoyed by that. But um, uh, I, I would be interested to see uh, in the upcoming projects that incorporate Hulk and She-Hulk 
and Scar and um, in Thunderbolts, they've just uh, tragically had to recast Thunderbolt Ross. Um, but it's going to be Harrison Ford. Are, is he going to Hulk out and become Red Hulk? Um, in the future, as we're getting more and more of these Hulk-based characters, are we going to see truly ferocious and violent Hulk fights like we did in Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk? Um, because I, I think that is something that more and more people are wanting more and more often. Mm-hmm. And so when we have things like Thor Ragnarok, oh, we're going to get a great Hulk fight between Hulk and Thor. And it's a decent fight, but one of the two characters in that fight really isn't trying to fight to the death. So it's not that ferocious of a fight. And then we see uh, Hulk fight just once in Infinity War, and then he's out of the game for the rest of the movie. And then in Endgame, we get Smart Hulk, or Professor Hulk, who isn't nearly as ferocious. He's, he's much more strategic in his fighting. And so people were really wanting um, a meaner Hulk. And they're not getting it. And they didn't get it from She-Hulk. And I understand that. Uh, but I, I like the fact that it's trying to tell a different story. But soon I think it would be really, really cool to finally get a story where Hulk and She-Hulk and, and this new Scar character and maybe even Thunderbolt Ross, um, if we were to get an all-out, really ferocious brawl from one of these stories. Could be really, really cool. What do you think? I think it'd be cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't love She-Hulk. Yeah. And I'm very disappointed because Um, as a strong, independent woman, I was very hopeful for what I was going to see. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I am really, really curious about, um, She-Hulk, all throughout this show, breaks the fourth wall all the time Um, and from what i understand apparently she does that in the comics quite a lot depends on who's writing the character but she does have a history of breaking the fourth wall and and, uh doing things like that so um that was something that uh, at first uh just caught me by surprise but then once i found out how accurate that was to the source material i ended up really digging it but uh, my main uh curiosity uh, I recognize that, you know, if they make a She-Hulk season two, she'll probably keep breaking the fourth wall. Okay, I can I can get behind that. However, if She-Hulk is incorporated into the Avengers and is a major player in Kang Dynasty or Secret... In, there's Secret Wars and Secret Invasion, and at this point, I'm forgetting which one is the show and which one's the movie. I think Secret Wars is the movie. So Secret Wars and, and Kang Dynasty, if she suits up and, and um, stands with the rest of the lineup, is she going to be breaking the fourth wall in Avengers movies where she's not the star? At that point, I would kind of hope she's just written like the rest of the characters. Um, right. It her... wouldn't fit if she wasn't. Yeah. There's no um, way she could be breaking the fourth wall in the middle of an Avengers battle. and Yeah. There's just no way. Which, that also makes me curious, because up until now, I've always kind of been assuming that they would find ways in Avengers movies to still let Deadpool break the fourth wall. And now I'm not so sure, because if 
if Jennifer Walters isn't going to be breaking the fourth wall, Deadpool shouldn't be allowed to either. But this is all going off the assumption that anyone's going to be breaking the fourth wall. Um, and, and if you're letting one and then you would kind of have to let the other. And if you have two separate characters, both of whom are breaking the fourth wall, that gets a bit messy in my opinion. Um, you know, without having seen this fictitious movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be very interested to see going forward what her, uh, how her behavior with the fourth wall plays out in future projects, both exclusively her own as well as um, larger ensemble projects. Tell us what you think. Are yeah. you in the Dallas camp or the Page camp? Yeah. Um, did you like it? Did you hate it? Um, have I made any points that made you uh, reconsider your stance? Has Paige made any points that has made you consider your stance? Join my club. It's fun here. Yeah. Join my club. Loving stuff is fun. Um, I, I feel like loving stuff is funner than hating stuff. All right. Well, that uh, just about wraps us up. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next time. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.